Hey, I'm Nicole, your host of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. On this show, we're going to be talking tangible action that you can take in order to achieve the life you thought was only achievable after retirement. Everything you want now in life, you can have it. Will it take hard work, patience, and uncomfortable growth? You bet it will, but it will be so worth it. On this show, we will be deep diving into the topics of lifestyle design, travel, entrepreneurship, and everything in between. I myself am a global citizen and world traveler who left my home country and conventional lifestyle behind for a life of adventure and following my passions. And that's exactly what I want for you. It's your time to love your work, build your wealth, and create the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Let's do this. Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks, and on today's episode, I am super excited to welcome Mike Lan to the podcast. Mike Lan is an author, keynote speaker, and money coach who helps women transform their relationship with money to create a life that they love. Over the past 20 years, she has been a thought leader in the field of financial psychology. Her strong background in emotional intelligence paired with her practical money strategies enable her clients to consciously design their life while escaping financial stress and anxiety. When she's not working with clients, you can find my clan on the dance floor indulging in her love of the Argentine tango. I am so excited to dive into this discussion with my clan today. Let's get right into it. I am so excited to be joined today on the podcast by Michael Ann. Michael Ann, let's dive right into it. I'm really excited to get into our discussion today, but let's get it started by you telling us a little bit about your story, where you started, and how you got to where you are today. Oh my gosh, Nicole, I'm so happy to talk to you. Um, so yeah, what is my story? So once upon a time, yeah. I, so if you go way, way back, I um, did my, my undergrad degree in economics. Interesting, lovely. But when I graduated from college, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Everyone kind of was putting pressure on me to go get a real job, you know. And I wasn't yet clear what I wanted to do in the world. And so I traveled, as you know better than anyone, the power of travel um, I traveled and I, I literally wandered for five years, you know, I mean, in the States, a little bit internationally, but just really, you know, working and supporting myself, but looking for what did I want to do? And after about five years, I decided to get a master's degree, believe it or not, in consciousness studies and psychology. Oh my gosh. Um, which I absolutely loved. And when I finished I was at a crossroads in my life professionally, and I was torn between either becoming a psychotherapist or becoming a financial planner, because I, I always had this love of what we now call the psychology of money, right? And, and what you can do with your life if you're really in charge of your, your mindset and the practical aspects of money and things like that. So, so long story short, I couldn't decide. And I finally met a woman who combined them as a money coach. And, you know, her name was Karen McCall, the pioneer of money coaching in the United States. And 
at last I had found a field that combined things that I truly, truly love this, the psychological, emotional aspect of money with the real practical nuts and bolts. And so I started a money coaching practice, believe it or not, Nicole, 25 years ago. And, you know, so now people say, cause this will probably be your next question. So I'll just answer it real quick. What is money coaching? It, it used to be that people would either see a financial planner if they had investment questions or credit counselor, if they had debt and were frustrated, the reality is most people have both, you know, nobody wants to have debt or carry debt. And, you know, that's a constant big issue for many people. Um, but also people want to build net worth. You know, everybody wants to move into the future. But what, what I found is that neither of those fields is very good at dealing with the emotional side of money. We need both. We all need to, you know, deal with staying out of debt. Yes, building towards the future, but money is emotional. And so money coaching looks at all of it. It's like, okay, let's, let's look at some of the things that you and I are going to talk about today. Let's, let's look at how you handle money and manage cash flow and things we know we should do. But let's also look at why we do what we do and really be okay with talking about the deeper aspects of our relationship to money. And, you know, that is literally what I've dedicated my professional life to for, for 25 years. Wow. What a story. I love that you merged your two passions together and that you also knew that you wanted to build something for yourself. And I think that has been very prevalent since COVID, but you said you started your business many years ago. So I think that's amazing that you had the insightfulness to not want to work for somebody else, to want to be your own boss and to merge your passions together. You didn't see that somewhere in the market. So you created that. You know, and you're right, because it is more common that people talk about it now, but you know better than anyone, easier said than done, right? To create your own life, create your own career, create your own profession on your terms is it's a big deal. And, you know, I, I think it's one of the most um, wonderful, important, sacred decisions that people can make to truly design their own career and design their own life. But, but it means that, you know, sometimes I say to myself, oh my God, who is in charge around here? And then I'm like, holy crap, it's me. You know, so there's, there's good and bad in, in what I call the self-employed life, right? Because we are directing our lives. We are doing what we want to do when we want to do it. However, nobody's just telling us what to do, right? No one's handing us business or handing us clients. So, I mean, it's, it's a very, in, in my opinion, being self-employed, it's a very different lifestyle and way of being in the world than the nine to five salary job. And they're both have wonderfulness and hardness to them, but it is, it's very different. And, and you know, when you've got your friends that are salaried, they don't always really get what it's like to be self-employed. They either see only the downside or only the upside. You know, sometimes people romanticize being self-employed, um, but it's definitely uh, a choice that's a pretty big one. Yeah, I completely agree. And thank you for mentioning that. They are two completely separate lifestyles um, when you work for somebody else and you work a nine to five and you work for yourself. You know, I think it's funny. I think we've all probably seen online at some point the 
meme or the graphic of where, so, you know, I want to have my own time freedom. So I'm going to start a business. Oh, actually I'm working more than I was if I was working for somebody else, but it's so much more rewarding, but there is so much truth behind that as well. There is, you really have to have strong boundaries in so many areas of your life and, and strong uh, time boundaries and just, you know, boundaries in general, because I, I, Personally, me personally, I love my personal time more than anything on the planet. So I protect it at all costs, but I have to be really thoughtful about that. Like, when am I done working? What are the boundaries around my, like, you know, my phone and my email and things like that. But, you know, something you said also makes me want to say that there are times I'm so engaged and enjoying what I'm doing that it's almost not like work. Right. And then other times, of course, it's hard. So yeah, it's, it's everything, but I have to be in charge of my own schedule. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that. That's exactly what I say. You know, a lot of the times when I'm quote unquote working, it feels like I'm not working because I truly do enjoy what I'm doing and love what I'm doing so much. But um, then there is, you know, the aspect of you have to build a business. So it is work at the same time. So I want to dive into a question with you and hear your take on the money mindsets and the mentalities and how they differentiate when you are a traveler and your relationship to money versus when you are, let's say you have the nine to five, you are working for somebody else, you have a home and a mortgage, and you have a lot more of a stable life and that relationship to money and how that looks. Boy, that's such a good question. I mean, I, I, I love, love travel. And one of the reasons what I um, love about what I do is I believe that if you learn how to manage your personal money and you manage your personal cash flow, what I would call creating a real nourishing spending plan, you truly can do anything, including long-term travel or short-term travel. And so part of why I love teaching people how to design their own spending plan is because I want you to be able to design your own life, right? And traveling is very much um, its own unique thing with its own wonderful and completely crazy costs, right? And what what one thing that I think is kind of interesting about travel and money is short-term travel versus long-term travel, really different mindsets, right? You know, like for example, you know, I just went, um, I was gone for the last four or five days at a, a tango festival, right? Super fun, complete vacation. I didn't check my email for four days, Nicole. Oh my God, it was crazy. It was wonderful. But from a money point of view, you know, I I planned all of this ahead of time so that once I went on this vacation, I didn't think about money. I was not stressed about money. I literally planned before we left because I know it's a tango festival, right? I knew I was going to buy shoes which are bloody expensive in tango world. I knew I was going to buy clothes. I knew we were going to go out to eat. I knew we were going to just have a lot of fun, right? And spend a fair amount of money. But because I planned it in our annual spending plan and our, in our monthly plan, I, I literally was not stressed about money. It's, it is a different mindset when you're doing long-term travel. And I don't mean to say that long-term travel, therefore is more stressful. It's that in short-term travel, once I go, off on my little vacation, I don't think about money. I pre-plan it before I go and I'm, you know, it's great. And I come back and I settle things out, you know, financially and it's all good. But for long-term travel, 
you cannot take a vacation from managing your money, right? So if I'm going to go live in another country, do a lot of things that you've done um, longer term, and I've done some of that as well, though certainly not as much as you, yes, I will plan it before I go, but then I have to stay in touch with it. I have to stay in touch with my my monthly and my annual spending plan because, you know, particularly with um, long-term travel, there's a lot of curveballs that happen and you want to feel free. You want to feel like, you know what, if I want to leave this country a week early and go work in this other country in, in a slightly, you know, all the opportunities that come up on the road, I want to be able to do what I want to do. And one of the keys to that is being able to stay in touch with your money being able to adjust and shift with a spending plan in a way that um, is flexible, right? So you can't take a vacation from looking at your money if you're if you're if you're traveling on a longer in a longer way. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That's really interesting, and I guess I've never actually thought of it that way. So I appreciate you differentiating the short term and the long term because you're right. I do long term travel and. So I've never really thought about that short term aspect where you're on a fun little holiday and it's, you know, five days or one week or two weeks. And you know that you're going to go back to your quote unquote real life at some point. And then the money comes into play there. But when you're on vacation, it's just a vacation. Um, And so it's interesting that you bring up that differentiation. And I think... I have quite a few friends and within my community online who have reached out to me and are like, how do you travel long term? You know, I could never do this. And what I always say, and I actually just posted about this today. So it's funny that we're talking about this. um, It's all a mentality shift is what is the way that I see it. Because when I'm traveling, I know that even though I'm in a new destination, even though I'm in a new country or in this beautiful place. I need to have priorities and I have to prioritize my work and my business over traveling in this moment. You know, I know at some point if I'm here for two weeks or a month that I'm going to get out and I'm going to see the city and I'm going to do all the things, but I need to ensure that I have the finances coming in and that I am building my business and growing my business. Um, And I think the exact same thing can be said about that long-term financial aspect of money. I think you're totally right. I mean, because I think that the the difference where your where your friends are likely coming from is the vacation mindset, which which makes sense, right? Because most of the people that you and I know don't live in other countries for months at a time. So you know, of course, they're curious, like, how on earth does Nicole do this? Because when they travel, maximum maybe two weeks, right? It, it's a big deal. Uh, you know, yes, you and I are hoping that they plan it financially. I, I know, as I'm sure you do, that many people just throw it on a credit card and then pay their credit card off all year. And it causes, you know, some pain on that end, which is, which is another reason why they're curious, like, oh my God, how does Nicole do it? Right. But, but the, the, it's like the secret is we are, you know, I, I personally hate the word budget, but not everybody hates that word. We are, we are planning our spending as we go and we're planning our income as we go. And so, you know, I might have an annual plan where I'm assuming, okay, I'm going to be working in another country, let's say for two months or three months. That means I've got this money projected coming in. I've got these expenses projected going out and then you roll with it, right? Like I've got um, a fair number of clients to do pretty extensive travel. And it's, it's interesting because some people say, Oh, 
I travel way too much. There's no way I could plan my money. I say it's the opposite. That the the more you are sleeping in a different bed, you know, every you know whether it's every night or you know different countries throughout the year, the more important it is to plan. It just means that you're having to adjust, and a lot of people don't know how to adjust a spending plan as plans change. And you know, you are not only planning your spending, you're planning your income, right? And so, as a business owner, it helps you look at things and go, okay, I get it. This month, I need to have this much money coming in to support myself. What does that look like? Where might that come from? Is that another contract? Do I want to shift how I'm doing this particular piece of work over here? You know, so I think it's one more reason why when we talk with our friends that are not self-employed, they're only looking at the outgo, right? The spend on a vacation. Whereas you and I, if we're living outside the country, we're looking at the whole picture, the money that's coming in because we're working in different ways, the money that's going out. And, you know, it's it's a it's a creative puzzle that that you and I put together. It has to work. Right. But if you've got the right tools and, and the way to look at it, um, it's actually f- a fun puzzle. I know that sounds crazy to people that are like, what? Budgeting is a fun puzzle. But, you know, we've got to ultimately you've got to put it together in a way that the full amount of money that you're spending throughout the year is less than the full amount that's coming in. And are there exceptions because you're using savings that you've saved up? Of course, of course, there's always exceptions, but you know, there's a way to look at it and to enter into the process. That's actually part of the, the um, creativity of traveling. Mm-hmm. Interesting that you say that. I like that you bring up the income aspect of it too. And that is such an interesting mindset shift that you have mentioned of it really takes somebody who is self-employed, who's making their own income to think of that aspect as well, not only the expenses. And it's funny because mm-hmm. in 2022, when the year ended, I tracked, well, I shared how much I spent and earned in 2022 because I tracked every single dollar that came in or went out of my bank accounts through my business, through my personal everything. And people were very surprised at the amount that I had spent all year to live, to travel the world full time in 2022. And it was definitely a lot less than I expected. I will say that. But I think a lot of people were just very surprised that I would keep track of every single cent. But I think there's such an importance. And I also kept track of my income too. There's such an importance in that when you are self-employed. And as you said, when you're traveling long term. I know I love that you that you shared that and that you did that and you know you're not going to be surprised to hear I do that also right so we are in the habit of it but also we know how to do it it's not the big deal that people think it is i mean yes you need the right tools i mean this is like what i do for a living i teach people how to do this right and it's it, it gets to the point where people find it some of your listeners are going to be shocked but almost relaxing to sit down and quote unquote, work on your money. Because when I am sitting down and let's just say, for example, creating um, my February spending plan, that's fun. I'm sitting there with a cup of tea, right? I'm looking at my calendar. I'm thinking about what I want to do this month. I'm thinking about travel trips. You know, I mean, again, it's a puzzle that I'm putting it together, but you and I have a lot of data that we can rely on. We can look at what we spent the previous month. 
And, you know, some things don't change that much. It's not all a mystery. And some things do, right? You know, so I sit there with a cup of tea and I think about the month and I plan it. Um, and and it's lovely. And and what what I know is, and I know you you've heard this too, there is so much stress and anxiety around money. And women experience financial stress and anxiety to a higher degree than men. And one of the biggest questions is, well, how do you have less stress and anxiety around money regardless of this traveling, right? And the biggest antidote to that is to learn how to look at your money and then learn how to plan where you want your money to go. That is the number one thing that will bring down stress and anxiety. And I know people wish... Sometimes there's a different answer like, oh, I know what will help if I look at my first memory of money when I was five years old. You know, that is interesting stuff. And I love the, you know, the psychology of money and money mindset and money scripts. And there's so much juicy stuff there. Right. Um, But the number one thing that brings down your stress is getting your hands and your arms around your money so that you're no longer in a money fog. And that's what lifts you out of the anxiety. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that you mentioned that. And <clears throat> as I'm going through the questions, I'm looking at them. And I'm like, you're answering all of them in this. And I love it. It's so mm-hmm. comprehensive, um, mm-hmm. really speaking to travel and the relationship with money when you travel. And I think you have to really have a healthy relationship with money. And like you said, you have to sit down and you have to understand your finances and know what's coming in and what's going out. Otherwise, I don't think it's only travel. I think it's otherwise any lifestyle that you want to create yourself is going to be very far away if you don't have a grip on that first. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And, I, you know, and I know that that one of the things that you and I talked about also is how do you get a handle on the whole topic of needs and wants, right? And, and what what I think is is interesting is, you know, I always say to my clients, you can do anything you want to do. You just can't do everything you want to do. So what do you want to do, right? What do you want to, what do you want to protect? And so you'll have listeners that, you know, maybe what their true passion is, is horseback riding. And so they are going to protect that cost over going to Europe for two weeks, you know, or if I look at me, what I want to protect um, is tango, right? I mean, I spend a lot of time and money and energy in Argentine tango and, it's it's my passion, right? So I will protect what that costs over over other things, right? Like I don't need the brand new flashy car, right? Or the the latest remodel or or replace my couch or you know, whatever it is, you know. I mean, I will certainly look at all sorts of different things and go, do I need it? Do I want it? I mean, I want to be thoughtful. Nobody wants a crappy couch, you know, of course. But when I'm looking at all the things that make me happy, I'm going to protect certain things over other things. And so I think that 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 it helps for us all to say, okay, let's list all the things that we need and want and go, what, what, what's my truest desire? What do I truly want? And, you know, what I find is um, sometimes... It's really hard with, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the term mimetic desire, but sometimes we are um, almost led to desire what we see other people desiring. And this gets really exacerbated with social media, 
right? And so it's 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 the new version of the old issue, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Nothing really changes just because we've got you know Instagram or whatever. So you know, I had um, a client who really, really, really wanted to. I mean, her passion, what she wanted to protect, it wasn't travel. It was um, ceramics. She wanted to put in a kiln in her in her basement, and you know, a kiln where you fire your pottery. That's bloody expensive, right? It was like a $5,000 project. But she uh, kept talking about landscaping and needing to put a lot of money into landscaping in her front yard, and she couldn't do both. And when we looked at it and said, you know, needs versus wants, and what was what was the real need underneath the kiln? What was the real need underneath the landscaping? What Did she love gardening? Did she love roses? Was that a passion? And which, what we got to was... It was about the neighbors. It was about wanting her home to look good to other people. She didn't really put it in those words, but she was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm making that a priority over what fuels my soul. Nobody's going to see the kiln in my basement, but that's what I want more than anything. And I, I need to look at how do I let go of the fact that my yard isn't going to be as pretty as the neighbor's yard. But until she brought it up to that level of conscious awareness, it was this, oh my gosh, how do I have the money to do this and this and this and this and this? And she, her passions were getting shortchanged. Wow. That's so interesting. When you really become introspective, you get clarity on what you truly want and what you can use your money with. So it's so true. It's so true. So in you saying that, I would love to hear a few more um, mindset shifts or tips or resources that you have for somebody as a starting point who wants to change their relationship with money, is looking to alter their relationship with money. What are some recommendations that you have? I think you've definitely already mentioned a few, um, but I'm curious, what are your go-to recommendations or resources? One of my biggest recommendations is to simplify the number of accounts that you have, whether you're traveling or not, although especially if you are traveling. Um, what I find, Nicole, is that people have way too many accounts. And I mean too many credit cards, too many savings accounts, too many checking accounts. So they have a really hard time looking at where their money is coming from or going to because they just have too darn many places to look. And you know, there was the sense of, oh, I will be able to control my money if I have a dedicated account for, you know, whatever, for kind of everything. But the more accounts you have, the more money fog you're in. So I always recommend that people simplify, simplify, simplify their, the number of accounts they have. And of course, you know, I'm going to recommend that people look at tracking where they spend their money. And there's all sorts of different tools for that. You know, my, my favorite tool is called Money Grit, which is a spending plan program for tracking and, and, and forward planning, right? Um, I do recommend that people spend time getting in touch with their history around money and really looking at, I mean, that the, the reality is a lot of what we believe around money does come from, from how we're raised, it does, and I know so many of us wish that wasn't true, right? But th- I think the question is, are you reenacting the way you were raised around money or are you rebelling from the way you were raised around money? It's very rare that people are somewhere in the middle, right? And again, most of this isn't conscious. So if you're raised with like extremely frugal parents, just as one example, 
you know, just to reflect on, okay, am I reenacting that? Like, I'm just going to replicate the way I was raised and, and that may put you in a lot of deprivation because the truth is you could spend more than you are, but you're just going on autopilot from that. Or a lot of times when people are raised from, with very, very frugal parents, they react, they rebel, and they overspend as adults. Again, it's in reaction to that, right? So really spending time looking at how you were raised with money. What was your mom like with money? What was your dad like with money? How are you the same or different? You know, what are your earliest memories around money? And what do you think it taught you is a real worthy endeavor. That, that's, I love to give um, different questions around that as, as journaling assignments, right? Because it just, it really helps us reflect on why we do what we do. And then, you know, I, I also do with different people, money personality work and look at what motivates you around money. A lot of it goes to, you know, Socrates, know thyself. There's no wrong or bad history or story or money personality, but many of us just aren't aware of this part of our psyche, of our, of our money psychology. And so really writing on what money has been like for you growing up and what money has been like for you at, you know, very, very tender time that has a huge impact that people miss talking about is their early twenties, because that's when you were in all likelihood, very first completely on your own around money. And oh my gosh, there's a lot of intensity and craziness that happens for all of us in that time in our life. And really looking at that, talking about it, healing from some of that um, is, is really powerfully helpful. Would you say that money mindset and that almost reprogramming, is that a lifelong journey? Um, to, I mean, to a degree, I don't want people to think like, oh my God, I'm never going to get there. I, I think that people absolutely can develop a healthy relationship to money. I think the key is what, what is a lifelong journey is that it's a journey and that it's a relationship, right? Our relationship to money grows and changes and, and we don't want it to go stagnant because it, you know, if you're in, let's say you're in a, in a relationship with your beloved that grows and changes and takes tending and love and care throughout your life with whoever you're in a relationship with. And it's the same with money. You know, money doesn't want to be ignored. It wants to be loved and cared for and used in its best and highest purpose for you. And so that is definitely a journey and that is a lifelong process. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like there, there's so much, money mindset and money work that people don't realize, especially business owners going into business and starting something of their own. There's so much there that can really determine your success or your downfall. So true. Oh my gosh. So true. (laughs) So I would like to ask you, how does a travel hobby, going back to some travel, how does a travel hobby help somebody's financial life? How does a travel hobby help someone's financial life? Um, I, I think that part of the reason why it helps is it is about enjoying life. So what happens around money is people don't like to talk about money and they're like, oh my gosh, Nicole and Michael are talking about money. And part of why they are almost turned off by, I don't want to listen to or talk about money is they're associating the conversation of money with either the past or the future. 
meaning they're associating all the money talk with past debt. They're going to talk about debt, how to get out of debt, or they're assuming that you and I are going to be talking about the future. Oh, they're going to talk about retirement and saving your money and saving your money. Okay. But the problem is we don't live in the past and we don't live in the future. We live in the present. And so traveling and having to travel, there's nothing that gets you present like traveling. There's nothing that gets you enjoying your current life right now, right here, like traveling. It's like this, like it's this intense form of life and living and awareness. And we need to be on top of our money and loving our money and using our money and entering into a conversation with our money to enjoy the present, to enjoy the present. And so when you have a, I would say a life giving hobby, passion, like traveling, it really helps you um, actually step into enjoying looking at money in a different way because money becomes a tool for creating your current life that you love. It's not just about the past and the future. It's about enjoying and designing the life that you want right now. And, you know, travel in particular takes a lot of designing, takes a lot of thoughtfulness. And so it really allows us to embrace money as this amazing tool for designing your current life. Wow. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I think it's really interesting to frame money in that sense of past, future, and then present. I've never heard of it put that way before, but I know previously when we were chatting, you spoke about that as well. And that was something that really piqued my interest because you don't often think of it that way, but you're right. We do live in the present and we do need the money mindset and we do need to build something for ourselves that is now in the present to enjoy it and stop thinking about what happened in the past or what may or may not even come in the future. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We live here. We live in the present and you want, I mean, if, if the only time to deal with money was about past and future, who wants it? Then it becomes a big should. I should sit down and look at my money to deal with the past debt and the future retirement, but that's so not fun. And we want to enjoy our life. And when you're thinking of enjoying your life, you're thinking about the present. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I have one last question for you. And I think you're going to have a very insightful answer to this. I am curious, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you had have known earlier or at the beginning of your journey? What, what I know now is is pretty much anything is possible. I now know that with a little planning, I can create in the, a life that, I mean, truly, Nicole, I, I only dreamed of. I didn't think it was possible because I, I associated planning. It's probably why I, I just went on the way I did. I used to associate everything with the, with the past and the future. And I was too future focused, right? Like, oh, let's make sure the retirement's on track, things like that. Um, but now that I know the power of planning to enjoy my current life, I literally have created a life that I, I, I truly at one time only dreamed of. And I wish I had gotten clearer about that sooner because it would have allowed me to enjoy and enter into planning my spending and my income um, in such a more fun, juicy, creative 
way, the way that it's, it's come to be for me now. Hmm. So in you saying that, I have a follow-up question um, because I am curious. So of course you have mentioned, and, and I absolutely love planning in the present and having that money stability and knowing what you're doing with your money in the present is really what's important. But how do you stay in the present when it comes to money while also having to bring some of that future into it so that you can be steady for or be stable in your retirement whenever that may be or whatever it looks like for you down the line? How do you kind of plan for that while also staying in the present? It, it, it's a good question. And, and the answer um, is actually going to sound maybe overly simple, but it's the same answer. It's it's planning, right? Because I know how much money I need to be investing every month to secure my retirement. People overcomplicate retirement planning. They really do, right? Like, I'm like, okay, uh, let's say I, I'm going to pick a number and let's say that I think I want to be work optional because I hate the word retirement, it's very old fashioned, you know, so I want to be work optional um, at 65. Maybe I got to come up with a number, right? And then I say, okay, so therefore, that means that I need to invest X amount of money each month into my, in my case, because I'm self-employed and I'm an American, I'm using uh, an, an IRA, a SEP IRA, right? But different countries, different people are going to have different um, investment vehicles that make the most sense, right? So I'm going to invest that amount each month into this you know, retirement vehicle. And that's it, because I know how much I need to put in every month. And that number doesn't change. I'm not saying that I don't readjust it once a year and look at it. I don't mean it's not completely the crockpot of finance. It is to a degree, set it and forget it. Right. But yes, do I do I relook at it? Yes. Do I do that? I do that every month. No, because then you'll just churn your investments and get into buying and selling and things like that. But because I know how much I need to invest and I build that into my annual income and spending plan, I don't worry about it. Therefore the rest is for me. Right. And so it's it's part of the plan. If I'm working with a monthly plan and I know I'll just use numbers that I need to invest, let's say for example, you know, a thousand dollars a month into my, into my Sapphira. That's fine. Then I know how much I have available to do all the other things that you and I are talking about. So I do prioritize that first. I don't mean to give that short change at all, right? I absolutely prioritize that. I set it up automatically. I always recommend that all retirement funding is A, automatic, and B, monthly. Because otherwise, you don't want to be in the situation where you're like once a year trying to find a huge chunk, right? So just set it up as a monthly fixed expense. And then move on with your life, right? Then move on and look at all the other things that you and I are talking about. So taking care of ourselves for the future is hugely important. I don't ever want to minimize that. You know, I build that into my plan first and then I continue planning uh, from there. I like that. I like that philosophy of really just keeping it simple, not trying to overcomplicate it. And I think that is something that's really important when it comes to money because you can overcomplicate it and it will get confusing as heck. And then you don't know what's going on. And then it's just a big mess. Yeah, it's people really do like to complicate it. And it's yeah, I mean, it it is super, super important. um, But there there are certain principles that you want to follow that make it not complicated. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing all of your money, travel, how they relate together, all of your knowledge. So where can people find you online? Yeah, thank you for that. So I am at seattlemoneycoach.com and all of my social handles are all on um, Seattle Money Coach. And I mean, Nicole, I've got amazing clients all over the world. I do live in Seattle, uh, but I've got amazing clients all over the world. And what I would recommend is I my sweet spot, Nicole, is I love working with women that are really rocking it but money is the part that's stressing them. So, you know, if you've got listeners who are like, okay, I feel like so many areas of my life are doing great, but I'm stressing about money, then I would recommend that they grab a free discovery call with me. And what I do is I spend 20 minutes with you and we find the number one thing that's keeping you from feeling in control of your money. So they can grab that free discovery call on the website, Seattle Money Coach. Um, and then I've got lots of free resources. They can download free eBooks on how to stop stressing about money and all sorts of good stuff. Awesome. Thank you. And all of those links are down below. So definitely feel free to go check them out. And thank you for being on the podcast. What an amazing episode with Michael Ann. I hope that you got a lot from that episode as much as I did. And I hope it provided you with some mindset shifts around travel, finances, and money. If you want to connect with Michael Ann, all of her links are below, as are mine. If you have any questions or comments about the show or the episode, I would love to hear from you and feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram at nomadneeks. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode and I look forward to listening in to the next one.